It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, midway into the NFL season, and we have another crazy week to wrap up for you all. Plus, the World Series is set. We'll talk about the matchups and the pitching duel in this exciting series Plus, Fantasy Football Files with Jason Kamlowski, as always. All that and so much more. Stay tuned. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Alrighty, another edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Back with you as always, I am Josh Kirby. As always, we're part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, sponsored by Route 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserve. So make sure you check out the Mayo Please on SoundCloud, Spotify, and their website, www.mayoplease.com. You can also find them on Twitter as well. And want to give a big thanks to MPT Now Productions, JR Beats Official, and Dave Johnson. As always, a big week of sports in general to get to. And um, to help us cover this big week, um, we have back on the phone line um, Dan Dembski. Um, Dan, uh, once again, thank you so much for calling in. Um, big week down there for... Um, Hokies football just got the win in six overtimes against UNC and a lot of volleyball you're covering. So get, give us your take on um, some of the Hokie sports that's been going on recently. Well, as far as the football team, you pretty much summed it up. An insane game uh, yesterday that was four hours and 29 minutes long, uh, six overtimes, and the the brand-new rule that was introduced – during the off season where you go for two after the fifth overtime, instead of uh, lining up at the 25 yard line, which makes it interesting. You get one play to get those two yards and, you know, Virginia tech was just able to make it just able to make more plays at the end of the game. And uh, both kickers struggled in overtime, two missed field goals. Uh, but I'm, I was just stunned. I, I, I couldn't believe how the game turned out. And I was, I was, just amazed, shocked, and I was very, very happy to say the least. Um, yeah, yeah, and you see Hendon Hooker um, went out with an injury. Then they sort of went back to Ryan Willis, but then they changed their mind, yeah. and in the second half went with Quincy Patterson, the freshman. Yeah, that was interesting uh, how that all turned out. Willis came in, and on his first or second play, he threw that touchdown to, uh, to Hazleton, and you kind of think, okay, maybe – they're going to keep him in the game, um, but he struggled after that. I think he had two more drives or maybe just one more drive. He got sacked a couple times, and they decided to go with Quincy. So 
it obviously was a great decision. He had that long touchdown run uh, that tie, I believe tied the game um, in the in the fourth quarter. So just an unbelievable game. That that was a game we needed to win. Josh is very important, and uh, yeah, it was it was just stressful to say the least. Being yeah. being there in person. Yeah, so uh, tell me more about Hazleton. He he looked really good. A uh, great receiver down for the future of the Hokies, in my opinion. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's probably the number one option right now for this offense. He and Trey Turner, uh, but he had three he had three catches for forty three yards and um, and two touchdowns. He had a touchdown in the fourth quarter and he had a touchdown in uh, overtime. <clears throat> Um, and of course the touchdown in overtime was a fourth and three, Josh. And that was, oh my gosh, you want to talk about being stressed out watching a football game. I've never been more stressed out on that fourth and three, but Quincy does that little fade route on the outside to Hazleton. That's where both his touchdowns came from. And he's definitely a threat for Virginia Tech. Oh, he has some talent and some really young players. So it's exciting to see these guys step up and really Hazleton, and Trey Turner were supposed to be the two guys, and they, they were yesterday, and they have been for a big portion of the season. But uh, yesterday was by far their most impressive game so far. Yep. Uh, Hokies d- just win in stunning fashion. Um, very great competitive football game all around um, against ACC opponent UNC. So, um uh, yeah, going down the road for Virginia Tech, Dan, tell us a little bit about how you think the football team is looking moving forward and potentially getting a bowl bid. Well, this was a necessary win. Like I mentioned, and you know, we have a bye week coming up this weekend, uh, and then we have to hit the road and play Notre Dame on uh, on November 2nd. So it gets tough. It gets very tough, and we, we're, we really have to strap on here. We got – Notre Dame, and then the following week, Wake Forest, who has played really well this season. Uh, that's our second-to-last home game. Um, and then we have one more home game on the 23rd against Pitt. Um, and, of course, UVA and Georgia Tech sandwiched in there. So we have to get to seven wins uh, to become bowl eligible, which means we need um, you know, four, uh, three more wins, right, or two more wins, rather. Um, I, I think it's very – I think it's very feasible at this point. I think if you lost that game yesterday, it's going to be pretty tough to say definitively if you're going to be able to get those last two wins. Um, so I, I think the season looks bright for Virginia Tech. They just they have to keep it up. And if they can somehow upset Notre, Notre Dame, I'm not too confident that they'll be able to do that. Um, but that, that, to me, puts them over the edge and really makes the rest of the season look a lot more, a lot more bright for them but I'm really excited for them for that UVA game in Charlottesville this year. Of course, last season we saw how that turned out with the fumble late by UVA to seal it in overtime. And uh, I'm I'm just I went from pessimistic to optimistic with this team because you had two quarterbacks who really played great yesterday, um, and and Willis played decent as well. Um, but it really was a team effort, Josh. And this team seems to be getting hot at the right time possibly. And that's what you have to have in, in football. 
Yes, indeed. Um, great synopsis there. So moving from football over to volleyball, tell the listeners about your time covering um, Virginia Tech volleyball for ESPN Blacksburg so far and your experiences overall. I have really enjoyed it. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've gone to several matches. I've gone to all the home matches that I could go to um, and get to sit up in press row and just experience that is cool. Um, I don't have to write a story or anything. I basically uh, just take notes during the game of observations and things that I have. And then recently I've been uh, live tweeting as the action goes along. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. They got a huge win today, a big upset over number 23 Louis, uh, Louisville and really played extremely well in that game. Probably their best game they played all season. And it's it's been a good weekend for Virginia Tech athletics and the volleyball team today uh, this afternoon really did what they had to do. So um, I'm I'm excited to continue to cover this team. Um, they're extremely young as well, and they they played a lot of a tough close matchups so far this year. And this could be as similar with the football team a turning point for their season. And uh, they have they start back on the road this weekend. So I won't be able to cover them uh, and live tweet the games, but certainly I'll be paying attention to what they're doing. So I've enjoyed it, Josh. And and the fun part, too, has been being able to talk about it on the air, which I've been sharing um, on my Facebook and Twitter, uh, my SoundCloud audio files of that. So it's really all come together. I've had the complete experience with this internship so far, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I have until, of course, you know, mid-December with the internship and the volleyball season ends in late November. So I'll have a couple weeks there where who knows what I'm going to be doing. Um, but it's it's an exciting proposition. I've had a lot of fun. I'd like to thank Paul Van Wagner, who's the, who's the head honcho at ESPN Blacksburg, for giving me the opportunity. And I'm excited to help him out any way I can. I hope I'm doing, hope I'm doing pretty well. Well, that is great to hear, Dan. Uh, great stuff down there. So if you want to check out any of Dan's um, audio files from his on-air appearances with ESPN Blacksburg, you can check him out on SoundCloud. So um, moving on from Hokie Sports, um, before we get into a crazy week in the NFL, um, we're going to talk about the World Series matchup and what a crazy Game six, um, this Yankees in Astros game, this was, um, it ended up going down to the the ninth inning. Um, DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees hits a home run and ties the game up four to four. Then Jose Altuve hits a walk off to send the Astros to the World Series. Astros, they just looked like the better team in that game. And with great pitching on both ends for the Nationals and for the Astros, it looks like this World Series is going to be a very great one and could potentially go pretty deep into the series. Yeah, uh, I I think that's a great point. And the, the best thing about the Nationals right now is, Josh, is that they've gotten hot at the right time. They got hot towards the end of the season, and they have stayed hot in the postseason. And I think this is the perfect time to stay hot, and especially the pitching has really gotten better. I know throughout the season that was the one thing that Nationals fans said, you know, it's just the pitching doesn't get any better. The bullpen 
the, the starting rotation, all of it. And it's just all come together right now. And, uh, you know, they have a very tough opponent. We know, we know how good the Astros are. They won 107 games, excuse me, in the regular season. And they've been great in the postseason as well. And, uh, I mean, they can, they can score runs and their starting rotation is probably one of the best starting rotations I've seen in a long time. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough for the Nats, I think, but they've, Hey, they've scored their fair share of runs too. And, and like you mentioned, I think it's going to be a great series, very back and forth. And there's definitely going to be a home home park advantage when each team uh, has their respective home games. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I obviously I'm pulling for the Nats, uh, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for the nationals, I think to go and win that series against a really formidable opponent in Houston. Yeah, there is a really awkward part to this series as well as the Nationals and Astros share a complex down in Florida for spring training. So um going to be interesting to see interesting. How, how, how that plays out next season during spring training if they continue to share the same facility. But going down the World Series schedule, they have the first two in Houston Tuesday and Wednesday. So get get ready to not get any sleep Nats or Astros fans because these games start at around 8 o'clock. Then you got Thursday off for a travel day, and if needed, Friday, uh, Friday they're playing Saturday and Sunday all in Washington. So, yeah. it, in my opinion, um, uh, I mean, if the Nationals can come out with at least one win in Houston, then they have three games. That'd be huge. Yeah, yeah. but the three-game set in D.C. is what is – really going to be key for the Nationals, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think if they can if they can at least split, uh, you know, one of the two games in Houston, that gives them a great edge. And the Nats have been great at, on, uh, at home in, in the postseason. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said. I, I think it gives them a great opportunity to, to win the series. Uh, it's it's not going to be easy. We know how tough it is to play in Houston anyway, and just how great they've been, the, not just this season, but in past seasons there. So the Nats have their work cut out for them, and I think I think everyone understands that. But look, they they have as good a shot as anybody to beat this Astros team, and um, I, I think they're going to have to do it with um, clutch hits late in the game because you're not going to be able to really jump on a team like the Astros with their early pitching um, early, early in the game against their starting pitching. And I think you'd agree too, Josh, they have some great starters out there in Houston. So uh, I think it's going to be about just putting together a complete game for the Nats, but also scoring late, I think is a key thing and just limiting the damage. And it's, it's a great lineup they're going up against. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for this series. This, this is, not the way I thought it was going to pan out at the beginning of the postseason. I think a lot of people agreed, but I'm happy it's gone this way, and uh, I hope I hope the Nats pull it out. Yeah, so uh, let's go back to starting pitching here. Your probables for game one, Max Scherzer against Garrett Cole, and then game two, Steven Strasburg against Justin Verlander. So four great pitchers to start the first two games of this World Series. and. Uh, 
This is, in my opinion, this is going to be a pitcher's duel in the yeah. World Series. So uh, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were teammates in Detroit, if you remember. But Oh, I remember. Uh, all around, great pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Th- then for Houston on Wednesday, you have Zach Granke and Patrick Corbin. Excuse me, Friday. It's Friday, yes, Friday. Excuse me, I got my dates mixed up. But you have Zach Granke, who came from the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and to Houston, and then Patrick Corbin. So they were former teammates for a little bit. And then on Saturday, probable would be Anibal Sanchez against Jose Ucordi. So a, a great pitcher's duel all around for the first three, four games of this World Series. And then it comes down to how long are you going to run your starters, then go into your bullpen? Because uh, in, in this series, it's going to be crucial um, to have a great bullpen because I, I really wouldn't go to putting starters in the bullpen to wear them out this early in the world series. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Corbin pitching in game five. I think that's a, a game you circle. Um, or was it was game four or five. I'm sorry. Um, four. Four. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's one you circle. Um, the, you know, what kind of Patrick Corbin, which Patrick Corbin you get because he's been hot at, He's been very. He's been hot in the playoffs, but he's been ice cold. Excuse me. Really that, I'm sorry, Dan. That was game three, not four. Game, game three. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's the one I'm circling to see how he's able to hold up against this Houston lineup, and hopefully by then it's a one-one series. Um, at you know at best, obviously a two-zero series, which in favor of the Nationals, which I I don't think would happen, but you never know. I mean, the Nationals, like I mentioned before, they've gotten hot at the right time, so. We'll see what happens. It's exciting. Um, you know, I, I think on paper, Houston's probably the better team, but that's what that's what we said when they played the Dodgers and on and on and on. So, you know, anything can happen at this point. Yeah, so uh, l- last thing I want to uh, talk to you about, Dan, before we move into the NFL, um, right. the fan base in Washington, D.C. First, the Caps won the Stanley Cup, and now with the Nationals making this huge run, uh, how do you think the fan base is getting affected by all these teams winning? And don't forget about the Mystics winning the WNBA NBA Finals as well. Oh, it's great. I mean, it, it kind of puts the whole D.C. sports curse um, behind them now. And I, I think it's it's just great to see, Josh, that there's, there's so much to be proud of with D.C. sports right now, minus the Redskins. They're not in D.C. anyway. They're in Landover, Maryland, so they don't count. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great to see. Um, I'm excited for Washington sports, obviously, with the, whole, with the local thing. And I don't have much to hear about. Well, I guess I sort of do with my football team. But, you know, Nat, Washington should be, should be excited, and they have every right to be. Uh, the Mystics, of course, I, I think they were – Probably the favorite going into that matchup, of course, the Caps and the way they played the last couple of years, um, just unbelievable. And this Nats run has been, in one word, I would say magical, Josh. It's just been incredible. And 
you know, like I mentioned, not not a lot of people, excuse me, expected to see that. So it's great. It's great to see. I hope it continues. And, um, you know, D.C. sports are finally getting some respect that they deserve. And, um, you know, it didn't really change after the Caps won. And I think now with the Mystics and with the Nationals winning, it's uh, that's going to change. And, and you're going to see a lot of people take a different different outlook towards Washington, D.C. and their sports teams. Yep. So that wraps up uh, World Series talk. Um, and of course, we'll keep you updated um, on our social media pages as well. Um, it, it, it's going to be a great series, though, and I can't wait. So um, moving on, week seven action in the National Football League. Um, a lot of crazy stuff to get into, like, for example, um, the Dolphins went back to Ryan Fitzpatrick in place of Josh Rosen after getting guaranteed the starting position for the rest of the year, which does not make sense to me why they would do that. But Dolphins are still winless. You have um, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And he he gets injured, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. The Chiefs have been struggling a lot, managed to beat the Broncos. But they haven't been playing as well as I would have expected the Chiefs. And with this Patrick Mahomes injury, then now they have to overcome more adversity. And you see the Titans, they went with Ryan Tannehill over Marcus Mariota after last week's loss. So uh, a lot of controversy going into this week seven of the NFL. So, um, what what was your biggest um controversial move of the going into week seven, Dan? Controversial move. That's that's a good question. Man. Um hmm. You asked me too quick. Why <laughs> why you gotta why you gotta do that to me, Josh? Um I you know, I, I, I think you'd have to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, this is a team that is uh, obviously winless. And, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick hasn't really helped them, uh, you know, much. Of course, none of their quarterbacks have really <laughs> made much of a difference this year for that team. Uh, but, you know, certainly they flip-flopped on him several times. And it's it's just crazy to me. Um, I, I, I think they should go with a young guy. Let Josh Rosen figure it out you know, um, and, and give him a chance to get some reps. Um, Fitzpatrick's one of those guys who he plays well for about, you know, he's about a two game guy. He plays well for two games and then it just goes downhill from there. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's probably the most controversial right now because you have a quarterback in Josh Rosen, you know, who was, <clears throat> excuse me, who was taken, you know, taken in the NFL draft for that reason. He's supposed to be the future of this, of this franchise. Um, well, sorry, he was drafted by the Cardinals. Of course he was traded uh, last season, um, but he's a, you know, he's a 10, he was a ten, number 10 pick and he definitely deserves, deserves a chance. He hasn't played great. You know, I, I think people would agree with that. Um, he's, he's got one touchdown and five picks, but he's not going to, he's not going to blow you away right now. The Dolphins don't have 
a good enough offensive line, good enough running backs, and good enough receivers to give him, you know, a, a huge amount of stats. So I think they need to give him a shot. You know, Fitzpatrick is, you know, eight, 85 years old now. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, his career is probably getting close to being over. Um, but if, if the um, Dolphins want to build for the future, they got to go with Josh Rosen and give him an opportunity. There's, you know, they traded for him for a reason. Why, why is he sitting on the bench? That's my question towards, towards the Dolphins at this point. Yeah, I, I hope you were joking about the 85-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick. but um, Yeah, I was being a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> but a- anyways, this Dolphins team um, w- was up 14-9 to going into halftime. So they had the lead, but then they only put up second in the uh, – excuse me, um, seven in the second half, and the Bills beat them by 10. So this was probably the most competitive game besides the Redskins game, if you want to call that a competition, um, for the Dolphins this season. So it it looks like they're going to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, um, but Dolphins, they're rebuilding. So uh, whatever you can do just to get an idea of who, can be the answer long-term for them going into next season is uh, I guess they're doing things their own way. So, um, uh, but I want to get into the next quarterback situation. Um, Ryan Tannehill gets put in place of Marcus Mariota and they end up beating the struggling Los Angeles chargers 23 to 20. The chargers, they're two and five, and they're looking like a struggling team. And um, before the season began, I thought the Chargers would be a good football team, but they have surprised me so far by going two and five. Yeah, they have. Uh, they've surprised me too. I had pretty high expectations for them in that division coming into the season, especially how they played last season, making the playoffs and and uh, getting advancing pretty far. So yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's, it's just almost, it's almost like Philip Rivers has lost a huge step from where he was last season. Now he finished with two touchdowns and no interceptions today. Uh, but overall during the season, he really hasn't played, you know, as well as we expect him to play. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, he's been disappointing since he's come back, Josh. Agreed. Just 32 yards on the ground today and, and 16 attempts. So, um, you know, the, all the hype for him, it's, it's just not there. It's just not there right now. So, um, <clears throat> you know, Philip Rivers, how about all that was last week? You know, he had, he had a, they had a comeback going last week against the Steelers and he throws, he throws two picks and and loses a fumble late, uh, which was a touchdown. And that's just something you just don't expect to see from Phillip Rivers. And I think, you know, they got to start looking towards the future too, all these teams with aging quarterbacks at this point. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've been very disappointing. And two and five is not where I expected to see this team at this point in the season. And, you know, anything can happen, but it's, it's – I don't know what the statistics are for a two and five team having a shot at the postseason, but it's, it's not good. And I, I, I would think it's not good at this point. 
And, um, you know, Melvin, Melvin Gordon, for as much as we've heard about how great he is, just haven't seen it this year. Uh, it's been, you know, you know, he held out for so long and he didn't want to play. And he, he, I think he came back and the expectation was that he was going to pick up right where he left off. And it just hasn't been there. It just hasn't been there. So his first game back was week four against, um, well, actually week five was his first game back. And he only had, <clears throat> he only had 31 rushes, 31 rushing yards, 18 last week. And, and of course, um, 32 this week and no touchdowns yet. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're not using him effectively, but, you know, defensively, I think the chargers are, they're, 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 they're not good on defense. And I think that's apparent too. So, if you're going to win games, you got to have at least one side of the ball doing the right things. And right now they have none of it working and they're sputtering right now to say the least. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, I want to backtrack here to the Thursday night game and Patrick Mahomes um, leaving with that injury. Very fortunate because he's only going to be out like four weeks. I heard in some reports, but a tough neck. A, ne- a tough next two games for them. They're playing Kansas. Uh, they're playing Green Bay on Sunday night in Week Eight, and then they're playing Minnesota in Week Nine. So, two very tough opponents for the Chiefs. H- how do you think they're going to handle this um, moving into the next two weeks without their starter in Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they're going to hold up. Um, you know, they're. I think as far as the divisional race is concerned, I think they they don't have to worry about that right now. Um, you know, they're two and zero in the division, and the the Raiders are second behind them in the the fall by the Broncos and Chargers, so they don't don't really have to worry about that right now. But I'm not sure how they're gonna how they're gonna hold up. Uh, you know, Green Bay is they struggle to start the season, but man, they have they've really found their stride here recently, and they're starting to put it all together. And the same thing with Minnesota. Kirk Cousins had a great game today, Josh. I think he threw either four or five touchdowns. I have to check on that. But, you know, I, I it just depends on how that defense holds up. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and um, you know, can they get Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy involved? You know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, Matt Moore, who is now the starting quarterback, he played pretty decent. Uh, when Mahomes got hurt. So, you know, he's – and he's got receivers. I mean, he's got Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins – well, Sammy Watkins is still hurt. Um, he's got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, those two guys alone, you put any quarterback, I feel like, in this system, and he's going to be pretty successful. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to go to the run a little more. But I, I could see them winning both these games. You know, it's not out of the question. Um, I, I think the Green Bay game poses – more of a threat, obviously, and in prime time playing. Well, that game's at home. So, actually, both these games are at home. So, I I think you flip a coin. It just depends on how the defense is able to slow down Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think Kirk Cousins is just going to have a – I think he's just going to play poorly in that in that uh, November 3rd game. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, um, the Chiefs – but the Chiefs have talent across the board. And I think they'll be fine without Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to be perfect. And they, but, but Josh, they weren't perfect with him. And he was starting to, starting to lose a step or two this year. Not certainly not as good as he used to be. Um, it appears, um, but he's cooled off this season. But 
Andy Reid's a good coach. He'll he'll find a way to get them prepared with whatever they have, and they might not win both games, but I think they can split. Yeah, and um, uh, another team. You you look at this really quick, and another team without their starting quarterback, the Saints and Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Under center, he is undefeated so far under at starting quarterback for the Saints. They beat the Bears 36 to 25. So um what 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 a set of games Teddy Bridgewater has had. And uh, what 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 do you think this means for the Saints? I, I, I think the Saints possibly have a quarterback controversy. Do they keep Teddy? or do they put Drew Brees back in after he's healthy? Oh, they're going to they're 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 going to go with Brees. I mean, the guy's got the guy's got a Super Bowl win. He's done a lot for the franchise. He's practically turned the franchise around. He's the, he's the starting quarterback when he's healthy. Uh but what it means for Teddy Bridgewater is that next year he could he could have a contract somewhere starting and starting for some NFL team, Josh. Yeah, I was just about to say that Bridgewater is becoming that caliber to land a starting contract somewhere because, uh, you know, after his injury in Minnesota, he was sort of uh, he sort of had his um, career sideline, but then he worked his way back and he's playing pretty darn good. Yeah, great. <laughs> he's playing great. Um, and. You know the the Saints are so dynamic on offense. They not only not only threw the ball well today, but they also, you know, La, you know Latavius Murray had 119 yards and and two touchdowns. I mean that's that's just hard to defend. Um, so I I don't think anyone expected Teddy Bridgewater. I know I certainly didn't to play as well as he has, and I think that speaks to his to his uh, competitiveness. And, and how he plays the game of football. When he was in Minnesota, he had a couple games where he came in for um, a couple stretches, and, and he was great. So, you know, it's, it's the NFL is strange, um, but the Saints certainly are very dynamic on offense, and they can do a lot of different things, and he's, he fits right into that system. And like I said, and like you mentioned, I think he's going to earn himself a contract next year for a team who really needs a quarterback. And there's a lot of teams out there who need a quarterback right now. Yes, yes, indeed. This is a um, league this year that is very hungry for new quarterbacks because a lot of them have been injured. You see Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph going out, like people like them. And there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks um, switching around, in my opinion, for next season. So, um, uh, moving on, the Packers, what a game. Aaron Rodgers is a legend. 429 yards and five touchdowns with a perfect passer rating. Sh- need I say more, Dan? No, I, I don't think you need to say more. He's he's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> you know? No, no other way to say it. I mean, he's been unbelievable for them for so long, and – you know, they started the, the game started kind of awry for them. I was paying attention to the score; it was close early on. But Aaron Rodgers just picked apart their defense, and the Packers, like I said, they're cooking right now after that loss to the Eagles. Um, you know, in week in week four, they've just turned it on. They won three straight games, and it, you know, Rodgers' play has really been indicative indicative of that right now. 
Yeah, and you look at the receivers, he's distributing the ball as well. You have touchdowns from one, two, three, four, five different receivers in that game. So not only is he putting up great numbers, he's distributing the ball around the field to different people. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's another thing, too. The Packers, you know, they have – they have pretty good receivers, but they don't have guys who are like Hall of Famers. You know, you know, Valdez Scantling has probably been, uh, I think I said his name right, has been the guy who really has been the go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, and along with a bunch of guys who, you know, are not top-tier receivers. So the, it seems to be Aaron Rodgers is making most of the plays. It's not like he's got, you know, these – star-studded receivers to throw to. So he deserves a ton of credit, rightfully so. And, uh, you know, this this Packers team is scary for anyone who has to face them. And, uh, you know, obviously going down the stretch, we'll see how Aaron Rodgers can continue to play, but he is smoking hot right now. We'll see if he can continue that going forward. Yeah, and looking at another quarterback with a really hot day, um, Kirk Cousins, 337 yards and four touchdowns, but the game was a little bit more competitive for the Lions as Matt Stafford threw four touchdowns, 364 yards, but an interception. So a very back-and-forth game there, which um, I was hoping the Vikings would win for my survivor pool, and they ended up winning. So, shoot. Yeah, that's you know that looks like a Big Twelve type type of score with with all that offense, um, and you know the top fantasy guys, Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford, both had an, an insane amount of fantasy points today. If you're following that, so yeah, and Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook gave me some good numbers too on my fantasy. So if you're a fantasy owner, yeah, you're, least- you're pretty much winning either way with um, the Lions and Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. At least someone I know had a good day fantasy wise. I I was just <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. not a good day for me. Yeah, I I did start Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm I'm gonna say that in two of my leagues, and he underperformed. It was just a sloppy mess out there in Washington. And yeah. Matt Breda went out with an injury, and I was like, man, who knows how the Redskins are gonna perform? Because you know the Redskins are inconsistent. They just fired Jay Gruden, but the Niners only put up nine points in a nine to nothing win over the Redskins. So it's like, wow, your, uh, my fantasy teams do not look good because these people did not put up good numbers. And I, I, I was just stunned, but I sort of expected it in the wet, rainy slip and slide conditions. But yeah, Kurt, Kurt, yeah. But going back to the Vikings, Kirk Cousins just looked phenomenal. And I have a feeling when Case Keenum and the Redskins return to Minnesota on Thursday night, Kirk Cousins will continue to look phenomenal and pick apart the Redskins' defense one by one. I I hate to say it, but I I just think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, he's cooking right now. He had, you know, he had five touchdowns coming into the game. Now he's got nine touchdowns and three picks on the season. He's got a court, court, a great quarterback rating, 108.4 on the season as well. So uh, he's just getting it done right now, and that that was an unbelievable performance. The Lions defense 
I mean, let's be fair. It's not, it's not elite by any stretch of the imagination. They, they have a lot of holes on that defense. So, you know, but I don't care what team you're going up against. I don't care if you're playing the Miami Dolphins, you know, if you can throw, you know, for 337 yards and, and, you know, no interceptions, you're doing something right. And, and both quarterbacks picked apart each other's defenses today, but yeah, I agree with what you said. I, I think the Redskins are going to have a hard time um, uh, against this um, against this Minnesota team. So, yeah, that's on. Uh, that's that's just four days four days away. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not really much to talk about in the Redskins game, but it, it was a sloppy mess out there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, I caught a good portion of that game and neither team could just get anything going. I mean, uh, you know, Robbie, Robbie Gould deserves the uh, MVP of the game. He had the only points. So, you know, Garoppolo, 151 yards, but, but a pick. And, um, you know, Case Keenum, just 77 yards. This was one of the lowest, I believe, was one of the lowest passing totals the Redskins have had in a long time, Josh, uh, or maybe ever. Maybe, or I'd have to check, but it, uh, it certainly was a poor day for the Redskins on offense, I guess for both teams, the, uh, the 49ers just drove down the field with more regularity than the Redskins. That was the difference. Yeah. So (laughs) I, I, I don't know. It's just me as a Redskins fan. I can't believe it was only nine to nothing. Um, (laughs) right, right. Adrian Peterson got the ball handed to him a lot with this coaching switch. Um, I think Bill Callahan is going more run heavy. So it's, it's good to see AP getting the ball more, but still the Redskins offense just did not look like they were getting in a rhythm at all. No. And I want to ask your opinion on this. Um, You know, do you think they should give Haskins a chance? Should he start? Is no. he is he not ready? No. Okay. No, because because Jay Gruden sort of ruined him in that game against New York where he threw like three or four interceptions. Let, let, let Dwayne sit and learn. Don't put him in. Let him sit and learn. He needs to learn. Uh, you, you see how young he is. He's a young guy straight out of college and he doesn't have experience in the NFL. And when Jay Gruden put Dwayne Haskins in that early in the season against the Giants and he pitched a terrible game, it was, I I just was like, you're ruining Dwayne Haskins. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I'm pulling up the stats right now. Haskins came in and threw three interceptions, had 107 yards, but three interceptions. That's not a good way to start a career for a rookie quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. And Dwayne, I think he's going to do great. He just needs to watch and learn from some of the veterans in the league, like Case Keenum, who took the Vikings to an NFC championship game. You you look at that and and you're like, Case, I can learn from Case, but Jay Gruden sort of ruined him, and Dwayne just needs to sit the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not saying Dwayne isn't going to be a good quarterback. I think with the right experience and right teaching, Dwayne will be an excellent starting quarterback years down the road. 
That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. So All right. um, my answer. Okay. Yeah. So that the I think that about wraps up um, NFL Week Seven. Hold on um, a second, there. What? Do you... Oh, yeah. Your Ravens. Forgot about your Ravens. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll let you talk about the Ravens. That game was our best game of the season. Uh, we held Seattle. Um, we really shut them down defensively. We got two, we got two, two defensive touchdowns. Uh, one was the uh, pick six by Marcus Peters, who just we just traded for in the middle of the week. 67-yard touchdown that gave us um, the first lead of the game, and we never we never gave it back. And then, of course, the uh, fumble recovery by Marlon Humphrey for the 18-yard touchdown. Offensively, throwing the ball, Lamar was not great. I mean, he was not at 20, 143 yards, uh, no touchdowns and no picks. But on the ground, he once again went over 100 yards, 14 rushes for 116 and a touchdown. And this is just one of those games where, you know, there was so much hype coming in about how great the Seattle offense was. And they are. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them. But the Ravens defense and Lamar Jackson both kind of shut that down quickly. And that's that's a tough place to go and win in Seattle. And, you know, overall, I'm pleased with how they played and very happy with that road win. I expected it to be a much closer game than it turned out being, which is great, which is great for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. guys. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying the success the Ravens are having. Lamar's looking great, but uh, I'm just going to continue to say this. Protect yourself, Lamar. He he runs a lot, but just make sure you're protecting yourself because what if yeah, he gets injured? Uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, that's, that's a concern, uh, especially when he takes big hits, which he didn't take many today. They weren't able to really, they weren't able to bring him down um, hard or anything today, but there's going to be teams you play against where that's going to happen. But, um, you know, overall, I'm, I'm just thrilled with how they played. I didn't expect that kind of game, that kind of domination, if you will, uh, that, that we had today. And um, we silenced that crowd you know, in the third quarter pretty much, and they were never that loud again. So, it's, Yeah, in Seattle, spot. that's a tough place to win, and you won Very on the road in Seattle. Very tough. Yep, and this is the part of our schedule that gets hard for us. Um, you know, we've got a lot of tough games coming up, of course, with that game, and then we have a bye, but then after the bye, we play New England. So, um, And then we have, you know, down the stretch, we have Houston, the Rams, the 49ers, the Bills, and and uh, the Jets, which the Jets are a question right now whether they're going to be good or not by then. But, you know, Sam, Sam Darnold appro- uh, proves to be, uh, you know, possibly making a big difference for them. <laughs> but I'm excited right now. We have a lot of tough games down the stretch, especially that Sunday night game against the Pats. Um, but this is, this is the – a much needed win. It's our third win in a row. And the, those other wins were hard to come by. Um, so this, this was a game that, you know, as I just said, we needed to win. We did, and we did it in pretty convincing fashion by 14 
and I'm happy going forward. I think we have a pretty good shot to, you know, obviously win the division and, and clinch a playoff spot going forward. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I do apologize once again for almost cutting you off on your Ravens segment. And I almost forgot to You're mention, fine. Uh, I almost forgot to mention J- Jalen Ramsey gets traded from the Jaguars to the Rams. And Jalen yeah. Ramsey's had one forced fumble and four tackles, according to the stats here. And uh, magically, his back's feeling better. And he's playing on on such short notice. So (laughs) he did not want to play in Jacksonville. He was respectful. He came out, didn't rack up any fines for missing any sort of team function. But that was just a ploy to get him out of um, Jacksonville. And he played a pretty darn good ball game against um, the Falcons, the struggling Atlanta Falcons who dropped to one and six. Yeah, they're uh, they're sputtering right now. I think Dan Quinn, I think his time is running out in in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, the Rams are a great football team. Uh, they they've had a couple tough losses uh, this season, uh, but this was a game they really had to have, and they and they had it. So and they 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 had it their way. They had you know three straight losses, including that surprising loss to Tampa Bay, Josh, by fifteen, um, followed by losses to the Seahawks and 49ers. So yep. um, I, this this could get them back on track. Um, their schedule from here on out is is pretty tough. So we'll see what happens. But it's still early in the season. I mean, we're not you know we're not quite we're not quite halfway through yet. So you know anything anything's possible. I guess we got one more week technically till we're halfway through. So that statement is partially true. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, there's still plenty of times. There's still plenty of time for teams to get hot, and the Rams could be one of those teams in the NFC, which is, um, I think, clearly been better. Well, been better in a lot of ways in the AFC this year, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, sir. Well, almost halfway through the NFL season, it's been a roller coaster so far, and we're doing pretty good. Um, that wraps up. NFL um, talk for the Sunday slate of games. Um, Dan, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Be- um, best of luck continuing to do what you do best down there at ESPN Blacksburg and hope to get you on the show again really soon. Thanks a lot for having me again, Josh. And I appreciate uh, everyone's support, uh, you know, reading the stuff I write for the collegiate times and, listening to the stuff I post for ESPN Blacksburg. And I'm really, really happy to bring you all the content and, uh, and thanks again for having me on. It's, it's always fun. Yeah. I I'm hoping to get you back on a couple more times to talk more NFL football. It's always great coming up on the Josh Kirby on sports podcast. We'll have fantasy football files with Jason Kamalowski. And on the other side of the break, I will wrap up the Sunday and Monday night football games and close out the show. You're listening to the Josh Kirby on sports podcast. Welcome to fantasy football files. Recapping week seven in the uh, NFL fantasy landscape, uh, we're recording on Monday night. Josh has asked me uh, to record a little early this week, so I am in the midst of watching the Patriots absolutely dismantle the Jets. Um, 
a lot to unpack from week seven, but let's okay. Got to go on a little rant here. The Jets, you're playing the Patriots. They don't throw a pass more than 10 yards downfield. You're playing 10 yards off ball. I mean, Greg Williams, what are you doing? I mean, it's just too easy. I mean, the Patriots' first drive, 16 plays, 78 yards, like eight minutes. I mean, just ridiculous. And, you know, look, Tom Brady is is one of the best quarterbacks ever, and I hate to say that, but he is. But when you make it that easy on him, you deserve what you get. And right now they're down 17 nothing, and, um, you know, we're still in the first quarter. So uh, the coaching in the NFL, and you would think that it would be better, but truthfully it's just it's, it's not very good sometimes. And Greg Williams, honestly, um, you know, as far as defensive coordinators go, very below average. Um, he of the play the safety, you know, 40 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, there's a couple – I've seen on Twitter there's a couple of screenshots of defensive formations whenever he was with the Browns where Jabril Peppers was literally like 30 yards off ball. I mean, like, what are you going to do back there um, on like a third and eight? I mean, there's, you're just taking him completely out of the play. So, uh, anyways, watching the Patriots right now, they're just, they're just rolling. Um, just got another turnover. I mean, that defense has been incredible. Um, you know, and – just uh, just to stay on topic of the Patriots, uh, you know, and, and talking about their defense, I, I don't think anybody probably saw this coming in season-long leagues as far as their, their defense dominating the way it has. Uh, and I don't think anybody saw the Bears' defense struggling the way it has. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, that's kind of the pitfall of, of drafting a defense early. And, and this is something I talked to Josh about back in August. You know, it's just it's just not something you should do is, is draft a defense early. Um there's just so much variance there. Rarely does the team that gets drafted as the number one defense end up as the number one defense. Um, you know, if you invest anything more than in a pick than one of the last two rounds on your defense, I think you're just doing it wrong. I mean, defense is as much about streaming and matchup plays as anything. Um, and in most leagues, you can get a solid defense, you know, late in the draft should be your last pick. So anyways, as I continue to watch this Monday night debacle, um, like I said, a lot to unpack from week 17. Biggest story is probably Mahomes, Pat Mahomes going down last Thursday. Uh, looks like he's going to be out at least three weeks. You know, if you invested in Pat Mahomes, you, you know, you probably invested a high draft pick if it's in redraft. I mean, um, you know, dynasty and keeper leagues, it's it's a little bit harder to say exactly, you know. Um, but, uh, but I'm assuming that most of you have, you know, a lot of, of capital tied up in Pat Mahomes. And honestly, it's it's a bad injury for football in general because he's just so much fun to watch and that Chiefs offense is just so good when he's going good. So, you know, it's kind of a freak thing on a um you know, a, a quarterback sneak to get a first down and, and I think it's just one of those things where, you know, it just he kinda landed wrong, somebody landed on him and it just kinda happened. Um but it sucks. You know, Mahomes is, you know, easily the best quarterback I think right now in the NFL. Um you know, he's he's just incredible with the things he can do I mean they're a threat to score from anywhere on the field and obviously it's you know it's going to be a downgrade to everybody in that Chiefs offense um Kelsey Tyreek Hill um you know Sammy Watkins isn't on the field so whatever um you know Miko Hardman it's just it's it's going to be hard to trust those guys over the next couple weeks with with uh you know Matt Moore at quarterback and I, I think Matt Moore's a serviceable backup but I mean obviously he's a huge downgrade from Mahomes 
So just in general, it's just, it's, it's kind of a disaster if you own Chiefs. Um, you know, the only place that it might be helpful, you know, is for the running backs. And it looks like Shady McCoy is going to be, uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but he's going to continue to be the guy. So, um, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a, a Chiefs skill player owner, I mean, this injury just sucks. And if you're a football fan, this injury just sucks. Um, you know, so we, we've got to hope that on best case scenario, he's back soon slinging it around. Um, but in the meantime, you know, just looking at some things, uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is probably the, the biggest story from Sunday. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, starting your studs. And when I do my start sits on Sunday and, and you know, I give them to Josh, you know, I always kind of preface it by saying, you know, the start sits we have, especially now we're getting into the bye weeks. I mean, you know, some of the guys I'm recommending are, are probably guys that maybe you normally wouldn't look at starting. But I would hope that if you drafted Aaron Rodgers, you wouldn't dream of benching him. And I, and I saw a Twitter poll um, somebody had put up, you know, where it was like, should I start Aaron Rodgers um, or, I mean, it was like Teddy Bridgewater. And, and it was it was close. You know, Rogers was like fifty-four to forty-six, and I and I thought it couldn't have been Bridgewater because he was going up against the Bears. But it was somebody absurd like that, and and I just thought, you know, if you drafted Aaron Rodgers, you know, you you probably picked him, you know, fairly high. I mean, you, why would you bench him? I, I just I don't I don't understand you know getting cute because you run the risk of missing out on performances like what he had on Sunday. I mean, if you drafted Aaron Rodgers, you're playing Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like w- with Mahomes. you know, Mahomes has kind of struggled a little bit, but if you drafted Pat Mahomes, you're playing Pat Mahomes, start your studs and, and because you just, you never know. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers only threw 31 passes on Sunday, but he has proven time and again, he doesn't need a ton of volume to go off. Um, you know, in a game environment, like what they had with Oakland and, you know, in Oakland's, Oakland's kind of exploitable on the backside of that defense um you know and it was kind of a a situation where some of his receivers were banged up and honestly as soon as Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison were in um you know I I think it was just even an easier play with Rodgers but I I don't know why if you have been season long you'd even consider benching him I mean you you play him you play him every week you know you don't you don't bench guys like that you don't bench guys like Deshaun Watson um you know, you don't you don't bench guys like Lamar Jackson or or Russell Wilson. You know, you play these guys uh, regardless of matchup. Regardless, I mean, you play them, you start them. Um, you know, and I think if you don't and and you luck box your way into you know whoever you start instead of them, you luck box your way into them having a good performance. Uh, you know, you want to take a victory lap on social media. I mean, that you just you look stupid, honestly. Like, start your best players. And, you know, if, if you think matchup-wise it's close, you know, and, and you've got kind of a, a situation where you've got a guy with a favorable matchup that, that maybe wasn't a guy that you drafted high, you know, then you can look at that. I mean, I think Joe Mixon would be a good example. I mean, Joe Mixon at this point, you know, is starting to look a little bit unstartable, but that's that's seven weeks in the making. And I think everybody knew there was a lot of risk involved with Joe Mixon coming into the year. I mean, the, the offensive line for Joe Mixon is horrible. And that Bengals team might be the worst one in the NFL. I mean, they're not even competitive. So, you know, I think with him, you, you know, maybe if you, if you have like a Chase Edmonds, maybe you're looking at starting Chase Edmonds over him in, in the next couple of weeks. But you're not going to – you know, you're you're not going to bench most of these guys that have been even moderately productive. You know, over the first couple weeks of the season, you know, you're you're going to continue to play them. So, 
you know, if if you've if you drafted and just again going back to quarterback, if you drafted Aaron Rodgers and and some of these other, I mean, you play them. Um, you know, from the running back point of view, this is kind of the time of the year when whenever we start to see some injuries hit, and we've talked about this. These guys just get mauled every week. You know, um, Alvin Kamara was out, and obviously Latavius Murray just absolutely crushed on Sunday. So if you picked him up, well done. Um, <clears throat> you know, David Johnson, thanks to Cliff Kingsbury for not being truthful on in the injury report, which is just horrific. Um, he was active, but not active. I mean, he was basically active just in case they needed someone else. But, you know, Chase Edmonds came in, did a great job. Um, posted, I think, the highest fantasy score among PPR backs um, last week. Oh, by the way, the Patriots just scored again, 24 nothing, Ridiculous. Um you know, uh, Josh Jacobs, who went out early with an injury in that game, but he ended up with 21 carries for 124 yards. Um, you know, see, you're starting to see some guys that weren't like first, second, even third round picks starting to creep up. You know, Adrian Peterson, and, and again, apparently they're just – Bill Callahan's a donkey. We've talked about this last week. He's a donkey. But I think, you know, maybe last week probably was one of those things where – um, you know, you could make a, a strong case, I guess, for running the football in the weather conditions that they were in. But I mean, like Adrian Peterson's getting like this insane volume on just a horrific football team. But you know, they'll continue to lose, whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, but some other like names that are kind of popping out there. Maybe you know we didn't expect to see is like Mark Walton and and um, in an article I wrote up um, on Dynasty Football Digest the other day. You know, I kind of recommended Mark Walton as maybe a pickup because it looks like the Dolphins are going to go in into um, you know, kind of, I'm going to call it discovery mode, but evaluation mode where they're going to see what's on the back end of that roster. Um, <clears throat> so, but th- this is a time with, with running backs when, when you'll start to see some of these, you know, names that maybe you haven't seen before kind of show up on the, on the league leaders because, you know, as injuries start to pile up, um, you know, this is kind of the time of year where these guys, um, you know, tend to tend to get hurt, maybe sit out a game or two if for nothing else, just to make sure that they're hundred percent for the stretch run. So, you know, I think running back is a position where obviously you're going to look at the waiver wire. Um, and then, you know, looking at receivers, and again, this there's some names that are popping out on there, like Alex Erickson. If you had him going eight for 137, you didn't. I mean, no, nobody had Alex Erickson. Um, you know, nobody had Zach Pascal. although maybe with Zach Pascal we should. Um, target counts have been healthy the last, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he's, you know, six for 106. He only went one for eight against Kansas City, but the the week before that, he was four for 72 against Oakland. So maybe we should start paying attention a little bit more to Zach Pascal. I'm going to assume he's going to be a hot waiver wire pickup this week. Um, probably going to be a guy that you're going to want to spend some fab money on. Um, Danny Amendola had one of those random just pop-up weeks where, where he went, you know, for over 100 yards. You know, Kenny Stills, um... Uh, let's see who, what other names are kind of crazy on here. You know, Preston Williams, Chris Conley. I mean, both of them had, had pretty, I mean, solid games. Um, Preston Williams, especially in a PPR, he got you 14 points in a PPR. Um, but, but I think, you know, and, and as we've seen with receiver, you know, some guys like pop just off the page, um, you know, certain weeks like Marvin Jones, this was just like a crazy week for him. Ten catches for ninety three yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he won't have another performance like that again. And some people are probably going to chase points 
with him and, and maybe try to acquire him or whatever. But, I mean, like, now's the perfect time to trade Marvin Jones because he's never going to – like, he's not going to do that again this year. So if you get, you know, some, you know, guy in your league that's, like, interested in, like, trying to chase points with him and trade him, like, this is a perfect opportunity to trade him. I mean, he, he might not score four touchdowns the rest of the way. So, like, this is, like, the perfect chance to go ahead and, and trade him. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs, though, got after it again, but that was after Thielen went out with an injury on the touchdown catch. But, you know, seven for 142 there. And you know, Michael Thomas continues to get it done. I mean, he's just incredible. And it doesn't – I mean, and hats off to, like, Sean Payton and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, that, Sean Payton just schemes – that offense and it doesn't matter you know who they have but they've done a real I mean they were down Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and they went into Chicago and just absolutely put it to them on Sunday um and Teddy Bridgewater's probably setting himself up for a really nice payday um this spring you know you could look at maybe a team like Tennessee or, or potentially Denver trying to you know maybe sign him um but just just doing a really nice job filling in for Drew Brees and he just looks more comfortable every week but, you know, Michael Thomas just absolutely getting it done. And really, there was nobody else. I mean, it was just basically him and Latavius Murray um, to kind of get the ball to this week. And that's what they did. And they, you know, they kind of leaned on that defense. Trubisky's obviously the worst quarterback in the league. Um, gosh, man, he's so bad. But, uh, you know, the hats off to the Saints, man. I mean, injuries on offense, and they just keep rolling along. Right now, I think they've got to be the uh, the favorite in the NFC. And if I mean, obviously, if you've got to go into New Orleans and try to win a playoff game, that's not going to be not going to be a good thing. So we're kind of at the at the point, you know, at the end of Week Seven, where um, you know, bye weeks are here, um, injuries are starting to kind of stack up. I mean, th- this is the next couple of weeks are, are really important for for teams that are you know, four and three, three and four, um, I mean, even five and two to an extent, because, you know, you've got to, you've got to make sure that, um, you know, you're working that waiver wire, um, and, and picking up guys are going to help your team, you know, and obviously, you know, this is the time of year when, when, you know, you can kind of make a pickup that, that propel you down the line. And what I like to do right now, depending on what my roster looks like is maybe pick up a guy that's going to help me, you know, maybe a month from now, as opposed to like a week from now. Um, you know, and, and I think it's still a good opportunity if, if you're, if your league trades, I mean, I think there's a good opportunity out there to pick up, you know, maybe look at trading for some guys. I mean, I think the perception right now is that the Chargers offense is a dumpster fire. I mean, Melvin Gordon has not been, not been good coming back from injury. I mean, they were, they were much better off and it was just Austin Eckler, but I think Keenan Allen right now could be a good buy low prospect from a wide receiver standpoint. Um, led the league in air yards in week seven, got a healthy 11 targets, only had four catches for 61 yards. Um, but we could come be, be, you know, coming back into one of those situations where Keenan Allen gets like crazy number of targets, um, over the next weeks, because it seems like the chargers are kind of in like panic mode. Like we have to win some games here or else we're going to be out of it quickly. Um, I mean, the Spanish family has just completely screwed that franchise. But, you know, we could be looking at one of those situations where, where Keenan Allen's getting, like, all these targets again because, you know, they're just at the point where they know they've got to lean on the guys that they can depend on, and, and that would definitely be him. And, and, I mean, probably Eckler. Eckler had more like a terrific catch down the sideline on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I wrote him up a couple weeks ago as, as a, you know, a buy in Dynasty Leagues. And, I mean, I, I just I would stick to that. I mean, Melvin Gordon is just washed. Um, you know, cost him the game pretty much on Sunday. Just absolutely terrible. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely be looking to, to maybe, you know, maybe go to the Keenan Allen owner and just see if he's, if he's interested in maybe having the, you know, the tires kicked a little bit. Um, 
you know, some other guys, and, and, and other than him, I mean, there's not really any studs that I would look at to try to buy into. Uh, maybe Brandon Cooks. Uh, I just, right now, there's just, there's so much with that offense going on. And I mean, if, to me, and I, I thought Cooks would kind of bust out this week, so he, uh, he was really disappointing. You know, if you can't get it done against the Rams or against the Falcons, I don't know who you can get it done against. But, you know, he's going to have one of these blow-up weeks here soon. Um I think everybody's gonna be like, "Oh man, I wish I had him," but then you know he'll go right back to doing like kind of what he does for fifty nine. He just he just doesn't run high percentage routes, uh, and golf struggling so much, and that offensive line struggling so much right now. Um, you know, just having a hard time pushing the ball down the field, um, and and really, you know, outside of that, I, I think the other players I might be looking to get a piece of is maybe like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Just because everybody's going to be down on them right now, and you know, with the uncertainty surrounding Mahomes, you know, maybe you can get those guys on the cheap, um, you know, and just kind of, and a lot of that's going to depend on your your roster construction and kind of where you where you're at in the league. But you know, if you can get one any of those two guys at a discount, that maybe would help you down the stretch. Um, you know, once we get into like the the stretch regular season and playoff run, you know, certainly that could be a kind of a sharp move there. So you know. Um, you know, week seven was just kind of a kind of a a wacky week. Um, you know, and, and some of this stuff, though, you know, in hindsight, whenever I look back at at some of the things that happened, and you know, watching all these games on Sunday, um, you know, I play a lot of DFS, and and I didn't have any Aaron Rodgers, and and that's my own fault. I mean, it's it's bad process on my part because you know, I kind of I, I thought to myself, you know, if there's ever a week that he's going to do it, this would this would be the week. But I kind of talked myself out of it because no Devontae Adams and, and just I guess in my head, I thought no Devontae, no Rogers. But you know, it's just a bad process play. And here I am telling you guys to start your studs. And, you know, I wouldn't, you know, put Aaron Rodgers in a lineup on FanDuel or DraftKings. So, um, you, you know, I, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice this week is just, you know, if you've got guys that that you know you spent draft capital on you know unless they've just proven to be in a bad situation with a bad offense or a bad offensive line or, or whatever um you know you've got to keep playing them and i think a guy like rogers has proven over time you know to be one of those guys where you just don't sit him um you know you, you keep trying to play him uh, because because if you do sit him you miss out like on games and what he had on sunday so um you know, looking ahead kind of down the line a little bit. I mean, again, you know, and and whenever we're, we're kind of planning out, you know, weeks and things like that, um, you know, I had, I had somebody in chat that, you know, they were talking about a trade they wanted to make um, in our Slack chat um, on the on the channel, and they were talking about making a trade for just like, um, you know, like one week, you know, like week 10 or something. And, and I think they wanted to know about um, – it was like three receivers, and you know, I told him I said I wouldn't make a trade ever, um, based on one week because you just you just don't know you know what could happen, um, you know. So if you're if you're gonna make a move, you know, don't make a move just with one week in mind or one matchup in mind because you're you know once you make that move you're kind of stuck with that player and if you don't love them, um, you know, obviously that's just that's just a, a you know a negative EV move. Um, but you know, as we look at week eight, you know, Thursday night the the Vikings are going to kill the Redskins. I mean, it's just going to be ugly. I mean, all the Dalvin Cook. Um, <clears throat> I actually think his backup might be a decent play on the showdown slate, just because on a short week and it looks like Cook you know handled like twenty eight touches the other day. I mean, it's just a ton of volume, so maybe they'll get the backup involved there. Uh, Russell Wilson going into Atlanta. I look for him to bounce back big. Um, 
you know, Rams playing the Bengals again. Stark Todd Gurley. The Bengals are giving up more points to running back than any other defense in the league. Um, you know, Buccaneers and Titans. If if the Titans can't get going offensively against the Buccaneers, they can't get going. Um, that's just going to be whew, it's just going to be a tough one there to watch. Um, Saints and Cardinals should be a fun game. It's probably be more fun than what it should be. Um, but I actually think that's going to be a fun game to watch, and and you know hopefully we get Kamara back and he just absolutely eats. But honestly, they could probably afford to hold him out another week because they're going to thrash Arizona. Um, you know Packers and Chiefs would have been more fun had Mahomes been healthy. Um, that game would have been a blast had Mahomes been healthy. But unfortunately, we got Matt Moore going up against Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I would say you know the Monday night game with the Dolphins and the Steelers that's almost hilarious at this point. Um, I, I would say honestly, the game of the week is either going to be the Eagles and the Bills, um, or probably the Browns and the Patriots. I mean, this is an ugly slate of games, honestly. I mean, you got the Giants and the Lions, ugly. Jets and Jaguars, ugly. Uh, Broncos, Colts, ugly. Panthers, 49ers, ugly. I mean, this is an ugly, ugly, ugly slate of games. Um, <clears throat> you know, Patriots, Browns, that, that should be probably the best game of the week. You know, hopefully the Browns can go in there and, and do something against the Patriots and, and, you know, but I mean, honestly, if you bet, um, if you bet NFL, the first thing I would do is just the moment the the Patriots lose their first game this year and their odds drop to win the Super Bowl, go and throw a ton of money on them because they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, it sucks. It's unfortunate. You know, it seems like it happens every year. But I mean, I, I don't see who's going to beat them. Everybody else is playing checkers, and these guys are playing chess. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, anyways, um, that's about it for week seven. Again, start your studs and keep starting them. You know, don't don't bench those guys. If you invested in them, play them. Um, you know, because honestly, a mediocre week from them is probably better than a good week from a lot of other people. So, uh, thanks to Josh for having me on. Check me out at, at Jason Kimlowski on Twitter. I'll have my start sits this week. I'll have a dynasty uh, uh, drop list coming out on Dynasty Football Digest this week. Um, just, you know, like I said, I hope everybody's, uh, hope everybody's fantasy team's doing great. Um, hope, hope you guys are winning a lot of games and, uh, we'll catch you back here next week for week eight. See you guys. The Josh Kirby on sports podcast, part of the Mayo please podcast network is sponsored by root 11 chips. Make sure you grab a bag today inside your local Martins food lion and giant stores. And our new sponsor and fellow sports fans at PM plus reserves providing reserve studies for homeowner and condominium associations in the Washington metropolitan area for the past 30 years. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. You can also find the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the Mayo Please on Twitter. Have any questions for the show? Feel free to shoot us an email at kirbyonsports at gmail.com. All right, back with you on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, sponsored by Route 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. As always, want to thank Jason Kamlowski each and every week, taking the time to do Fantasy Football Files. Always a great segment, always great to listen to what Jason has in store, fantasy football news-wise. So, continuing on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, talking about the... Sunday and Monday night football games. The Dallas Cowboys take sole possession of first place in the NFC East with their 37-10 win over the Eagles. And 
what's up with the Eagles? They very well underperformed in that game, I'll tell you right now, because the Eagles looked pretty good, you know. But despite dropping the last few games and just not looking their best, they still looked like the better team over Dallas. Heck, last week, Dallas lost to the New York Jets. But it, it it's crazy. The stats for the Eagles, they didn't get a run game going. Carson went through an interception. So that's probably, probably the key on why the Eagles lost that football game. But for the Cowboys... Zeke Elliott, he he went off with 111 yards. Uh, I I can't help but say if you had him on fantasy, that that was a good choice. So you had Zeke Elliott and props to Dallas's kicker, Brett Maher. Last week drilled a field goal from 62 yards. This week in the dome drilled a field goal from 63 yards. Brett Maher. Soon enough, could be breaking kicker records um, in place of Matt Prater and Sebastian Janikowski. So, just look out for Brent Maher because you never know if he'll kick another long bomb. And the confidence Jason Garrett has in his kicker is crazy right now. But remember last week when Brent Maher hit the 62-yard field goal, then shanked the 40-yard field goal. So, you know. But Jason Garrett still trusting his kicker from long distances is amazing. So the NFC East is looking just like a toss-up again this year between the Cowboys and the Eagles. And the Eagles are now 3 and 4. The Giants are in third place, 2 and 5 and the Redskins 1 and 6 in last place, obviously. So the it's going to be interesting to see, but I think it's going to come down to the Cowboys and the Eagles and the next meeting between the Cowboys and the Eagles will probably probably decide the division. In my opinion, there are some tough games for the Cowboys and the Eagles coming up, but um, how how they um, figure out what they're going to do in the next couple of games. But I still think it's going to come down to the Cowboys and the Eagles last meeting. So that and I I don't even want to get into the Monday night game. Uh, I, I really don't. It's the Patriots and the Jets. I'll let you make your own assumptions about that game, but... Yeah, I I mean, if you could guess, the Patriots are winning right now. I'm recording Monday night, finishing this up, and they are winning 26 to nothing. So, not a whole lot to talk about there. So, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to another edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, brought to you by Route 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. Thanks once again to Dave Johnson, JR Beats Official, and MPT Now Productions. You can find the podcast everywhere via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Find us all social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're also on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. So you can find us everywhere. And until next week, we say so long and peace out till the next episode.